lecture one part two of the groundwork of the christian virtues by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture one the divine law of probation part two if we look for analogies between the visible and the invisible world we shall find them in abundance because both are created by one spiritual power and are formed from spiritual types there are two great principles of movement in the visible world and two great principles of movement in the spiritual world which with great differences have still a striking resemblance to the fundamental principles of movement in the material universe we give the names of attraction and gravitation names that cover our ignorance of their nature by a mysterious influence beyond our perception each mass of matter is attracted to its own centre whereby it coheres together whilst by another mysterious influence a body of less quantity is attracted to a body of greater quantity in proportion to its mass density and distance in other words what is less is attracted to what is greater according to its greatness and proximity of influence this is a shadow of the order that reigns in the spiritual world where justice prevails for whilst the movement of the material universe is necessitated the movement of the spiritual world is free and springs from will and choice but the order of good in the spiritual world demands that whatever spirit has less of being life and good should overcome the tendency to self and the disposition to abide in self and should tend to what has the greatest being life and good that the less may partake of the greater and as the movement of spiritual natures is by thought desire and love and the attraction which influences these movements to the better things is the presence light and grace of god they ought to tend by the inclination of faith desire and love to the supreme being who is the truth the life and the love that they may become partakers of god this ever-moving earth is not only attracted to its own centre as all that constitutes man is held together by the central force of the soul but it is held on its rapid course by the attraction of the sun and as it turns towards that mighty luminary it receives his image and partakes his light warmth and fertilizing power yet his rays are intercepted by the vapours which the earth produces and by the turbulence arising from their conflicts and so by his creative influence does god hold the ever-active soul in which he has placed his image in her dependence but when she turns her face with desire to him who attracts her he sends forth the celestial influence of his light grace and charity upon her attracting her to move towards him by faith hope and love 
and she becomes a partaker of his goodness but as the soul is not necessitated like the earth but free to make her choice if she prefers her own central attraction and the drawing to herself of the small things around her instead of the divine attraction and her own uneasy love instead of the divine love that soul is left in her own littleness is clouded and darkened by her own vapours and troubled in herself for she is doing violence to the deepest appetite of her nature and is oppressed far more than she can understand with the weight of that attraction to the greater good whose object she is constantly misunderstanding or which her pride is constantly resisting and that spirit becomes more and more oppressed and more and more impoverished who can express the magnificence of the light of faith as compared with the light of reason one who has had the gift of faith from infancy and has no experience of a condition of soul without that supernatural light can never realize the immensity of the sphere of faith as compared with the sphere of natural reason or the difference of character that belongs to the one light as compared with the other in the things of god and the soul reason but gropes among the shadows reflected here below whilst faith with its light direct from god opens out the infinite and eternal prospect of divine truth which though obscurely seen is yet surely seen by the humble mind giving a breath and firmness to the mind that nothing can explain but the action of god in the soul for the truth of god received by faith and embraced by charity gives a largeness to the soul beyond every limit of nature exalts the will above all that is merely human and the joy of believing brings the heart nigh to god the divine master of truth knowing all her ways has said you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free st john chapter eight verse thirty two in words that still vibrate with his awe and gratitude st augustine records the first visit of that light of faith which drew him out of himself to the eternal truth admonished he says to return to myself through thy divine guidance i entered my interior i was able to do this because thou o god wast my helper i entered and with the eye of my soul i saw the unchangeable light it was above the eye of my soul above my mind it was not this common light that shines to all mortals alike nor a light of the same kind embracing all things equally with its brightness it was not this but another light exceedingly differing from all this nor was it upon my mind as oil is upon water but was far above me because it made me and i was far beneath because made by it whosoever knoweth the truth knoweth that light and whosoever knoweth that light knoweth eternity charity knoweth it o eternal truth 
through charity and dear eternity thou art my god to thee i sigh both day and night when first i knew thee thou didst lift me up that i might see it was not myself i beheld but the truth and thou didst beat down my sight with thy vehement irradiation into me and i trembled with dread and with love finding myself far from thee in a region of unlikeness it was as though i heard thy voice on high saying to me i am the food of the strong grow up and thou shalt partake of me thou shalt not change me into thee but thou shalt be changed into me and i knew that thou dost correct man for iniquity and dost make his soul to waste away like the spider and i looked on the things beneath thee and saw that they neither are nor are not because they are not as thou art for that alone hath true being that abideth unchangeable my good therefore is to adhere to god for unless i abide in him i cannot abide in myself but he whilst abiding in himself reneweth all things and thou art the lord my god because thou hast no need of my goods if the gift of faith is so wonderful how much more wonderful is the gift of charity it is the flame of love descending from god into the humble soul penetrating to the centre of her spirit embracing the will embraced by the will carrying us gratefully out of the contracted limits of our self-love towards the divine author of all life and happiness this love is the living bond between god and the soul on the one side an extension of god's eternal love to us on the other a return of love to our divine benefactor the free restoration to him of the life he has given to us the full homage of all we are and have received if we look to the earth for a symbol of the way in which spiritual natures are developed we shall find it in the flowers those beautifiers of the earth that gladden all eyes are the fructifying organs of the vegetable world yet they are beautiful and pure a reminiscence of the world yet undefiled by sin fit offerings therefore are they to the heavenly purity although like all earthly things they quickly fade in their first life the flowers are closed upon themselves but the sun shines upon the lily and it opens to the descending light expands its sensitive petals to the glowing warmth and its pure cup is filled with light beauty and sweetness yet it gracefully bows its head in confession of its native weakness and dependence in many flowers when darkness comes or the tempest rages like the faithful soul under trial the beautiful creature folds itself in patience awaiting the return of light to expand itself anew in joy there is an intimate and essential connection between the law of subjection 
and the law of probation for probation is the test of subjection to prove is to examine to apply a test to find out by experiment man is often an unconscious imitator of god if he makes a thing for some great purpose on which much depends he puts it to a severe test to try its firmness before it is adopted if any one is intended for a great office honour or duty he is proved and tried by a suitable discipline before he is advanced the angelic spirit and the immortal soul are destined for the highest honour and the noblest end but this demands great purity and constancy and as they are not only free but weak by nature they must be proved and tried whether they will hold to the strength of god or abide in their own weakness as their advancement to the glorious end depends on their constancy to the ever-increasing gifts of god on their sincerity in acknowledging them and their fidelity in responding to them their virtue requires to be openly proved and strengthened by trial before they receive the great things of eternity in the sacred scriptures god is sometimes said to prove and sometimes to tempt but this is always by a revelation a command or an affliction when the law was revealed from sinai moses said to the people fear not for god hath come to prove you and that the dread of him might be upon you and you shall not sin exodus chapter twenty verse twenty the great revelation came with fear that the souls of the people might be humbled for its reception when the commandments of god were repeated with solemn circumstances and the people bound themselves to obey them before entering the promised land moses said to them again thou shalt remember the ways through which the lord thy god hath brought thee forty years through the desert to afflict and prove thee that the things that were in thy heart might be made known whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or not deuteronomy chapter eight verse two here the trial of affliction is to reveal the disposition of the heart again the great lawgiver says the lord your god trieth you that it may appear whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul or not deuteronomy chapter thirteen verse three here probation is shown to be the test of faithful love then the prophet alleges another motive why they have been proved and tried after he had afflicted and proved thee at the last he had mercy on thee lest thou should say in thy heart my own might and the strength of my own hand have achieved all these things for me but remember the lord thy god that he hath given thee strength that he might fulfil his covenant deuteronomy chapter eight verses sixteen through eighteen the motive here assigned is that through trial the gifts of god may be known to be his and not the power of the creature 
the whole reason of divine probation is summed up in these grave sentences but where the scripture speaks of god as tempting what is really meant is proving as st thomas observes after st augustine where it is said for example that god tempted abraham it was not an evil temptation to sin but a proving of his virtue and fidelity by a most difficult command abraham was destined for great things to be the friend of god the prophet as well as ancestor of christ and the father of the faithful he receives the command to sacrifice his son a figure to all times of the sacrifice of the son of god he obeys and a substitute is provided he gives the required proof of his firm faith and obedience and through his angel the almighty said to him because thou hast done this thing and hast not spared thy only begotten son for my sake i will help thee and i will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is by the seashore thy seed shall possess the gates of their enemies and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice genesis chapter twenty two this exceptional example proves that when god himself tries the good he tries them with good and not with evil for the trial was a divine command that god alone could give because it arose to principles far higher than those of the law delivered to men it arose by reflection to those principles which our blessed lord proclaimed when he said god so loved the world as to give his only begotten son st john chapter three verse sixteen and isaac became a figure of christ the temptings of god are not seductions to evil these belong to satan and his followers they are searchings of the spirit that she may know herself become more humble understand her grace find out what help she needs from god and draw nearer to him for strength and protection for as st augustine says no one knows what powers of love are in him or are not in him until through a divine experiment they are made known to him if the spirit fails in the trial it is expedient that her hidden infirmity be brought to light for the divine justification st james gives us this solemn warning let no man when he is tempted say that he is tempted by god for god is not a tempter of evils and he tempteth no man the apostle then points out where the temptation comes from but every man is tempted by his own concupiscence being drawn away and allured then when concupiscence hath conceived it bringeth forth sin st james chapter one verses thirteen through fifteen the external tempter is powerless without the inward inclination to evil but when the inward weakness yields to evil allurement the sin is conceived and death is its fruit but god does not allure us to sin 
he proves the spirit by some new truth that asks for faith or by some new command that calls for obedience and the humility of obedience brings great good and enlargement to the soul hence saint augustine observes that when god ceases to prove he ceases to teach from what has been said we may gather five reasons why every rational creature who has received the grace of god should be submitted to probation number one the first reason is that the spirit may be drawn out of herself and be attracted to the sphere of eternal light and good and so be enlarged in spirit and life for the reception of greater and diviner gifts this is accomplished through some great and unexpected call upon faith and obedience thus in the innocent morning of their creation after magnifying them with holy gifts god suddenly proved the angels he gave them a new and wonderful revelation prophetic of the mystery of the incarnation and commanded their adoration of the eternal word their own illuminator in a nature made lower than their own when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world he saith and let all the angels of god adore him hebrews chapter one verse six they were tried by good in a difficult mystery and by their subjection and obedience they had to prove their faith and constancy those who stood their probation were confirmed in sanctity and passed to their reward in the beatific vision but those who yielded to pride and resisted proved their utter unfitness for union with god as they would not accept the truth from god they could not accept the god of truth as they would not subject themselves to god in one command they could not adhere to god for eternity number two the second reason for probation is that the outward call upon the inward powers may act as a kind of awakening shock upon the sleeping energies calling upon them to meet the new demand upon the spirit's faith and obedience it is a call to active leaving of one's narrow self to adhere to god despite of difficulty for it is one thing to receive light another to enter into that light one thing to obtain grace another to act with that grace but when an exterior revelation is added to the inward light or an exterior command to the inward grace or an exterior affliction to the inward gift of patience that exterior call acts as an outward impulse to summon and help the will to exercise her inward gifts and to use the powers divinely given to her as the preacher gives us an outward stimulation to use our inward grace so in the moment of probation god gives us an outward call to use our inward grace and give proof of our fidelity this trial is the culminating moment that determines the will to its root deciding the habit and condition of the soul like a profession after a novitiate it is said of the interests of this present life 
that everybody has one opportunity which followed up leads on to fortune however this may be the hour of probation is such an opportunity for the gaining of eternal life number three the third reason is that through probation every spirit may obtain the knowledge of herself what her weakness is what her limitations and what the strength received from god we must consider says st elred how every creature is changeable if rational creatures were not changeable as well as others they would not need their creator's help as they could neither advance to what is better nor fail to what is worse but as they are changeable they require to know this and to learn by experience what is written my good is to adhere to god that every mouth may be stopped and every creature may be subject to god but for angel and man to discover their mutability they require to be tempted and through temptation to be proved and through probation to be confirmed that the victorious may receive glory and they who sin through evident perversity may give proof of the justice that befalls them for it concerns that beatitude and glory which the beneficent creator bestows on his rational creatures that their merits be known to flow from the grace of their creator and that their happiness is his gift as well as their reward there is another important view of the self-revelation brought out by trial as the child who obtains the grace of baptism before the age of reason might never know the divine gifts received without the instruction of the church the newly created angel or man who received the gifts of grace immediately upon creation might confound those gifts with the natural powers were they not taught by the probation of some difficult revelation and command that their nature is weak and needs the special help and grace of god to believe and to obey number four the fourth reason for probation is to form develop and invigorate the virtues by which the soul is perfected for god the first probation is the trial of faith because as st thomas observes faith is the first virtue that submits the mind to god the second is the trial of obedience because thereby the will is made subject to the will of god through humility temperance and patience the virtues whereby we renounce ourselves and overcome our weakness our subjection to god is made thorough free and constant but the final end of all probation is to test our trust and to try our confidence in god this is summed up in the universal virtue of obedience which embraces all the virtues for to believe the eternal mysteries because god has revealed them is the obedience of faith to abstain from all things that god has forbidden is the obedience of justice and to love all that god commands us to love is the obedience of charity
to be passively subject to god is to be only like the things that perish to be actively subject to his sovereign will is alone worthy of a free and intelligent creature when god therefore gave to the newly created man the precious endowment of grace and the dignity of original justice he would not give him entrance into heaven until he had proved himself worthy by the active exercise of obedience this was so necessary and so befitting the divine providence that although god knew that he would transgress the precept and fall into evil he nevertheless imposed the command upon him to abstain from the tree of knowledge and left him to his liberty yet not without giving him ample grace to enable him to obey the mysterious command the reason for man's probation has been pithily expressed in the following terms by st augustine it was needful for man under the dominion of god to be proved in one way or another that through obedience he might deserve his lord for it may be truly affirmed that obedience is the one virtue of every creature acting under the power of god and that the vice we call disobedience that swelling tumour of the creature using her own power to her ruin is the first and the greatest vice but unless the man had been commanded something he would have had nothing to enable him to know that god was his master in further explanation the great doctor says in another place god planted no evil tree in paradise but he himself was better than what he forbade to be touched he forbade this to show that the rational soul is not in her own power and ought to be subject to god and to keep the order of salvation through obedience for this reason therefore god called the tree he forbade to be touched the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because when touched despite of his command it brought the experience of sin and the knowledge of the good of obedience and of the evil of disobedience number five the fifth reason for probation is to interrogate the soul whether she is disposed for greater gifts and is able to respond to them with fidelity can she change greater trials into patience and so become more solid can she transmute greater humiliations into profounder humility and so enlarge her capacity for divine things and be more perfectly subject to god can that soul transform greater manifestations of the divine love into greater acts of charity and so become more closely united with god the lord your god trieth you that it may appear whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul or not trial alone observes st augustine can show to each one what gifts are hidden in him to leave other examples the virgin may be solicitous for the things of the lord and how she may please god but how does she know 
but that some secret infirmity leaves her unprepared for martyrdom yet some poor woman over whom she prefers herself may be already prepared to drink the cup of the lord's humiliation the cup he gave his disciples those true lovers of his sublimity how does that virgin know that she may not be ready to become a saint thecla whilst that poor woman is ready to become a saint crispina she has assuredly no proof of this gift before trial the deeper regions of the soul are searched for their purification by keener and more secret trials which cleanse away the latent inclinations of self-love and prepare the mysterious recesses of the soul for the entrance of the holy spirit with a diviner light and purer flame of charity why god proved the angels himself and proved them with good is obvious on a moment's consideration there was no evil in the universe until through occasion of their trial a portion of the angels fell but why god ordained that man should be proved through the temptations of those fallen spirits is one of those profound mysteries whose highest reason is beyond our knowledge yet he has not left the children of faith without light to know that in this permissive part of his providence he contemplates the greatest amount of final good it was essential that man should be drawn out of himself to enable him to enter into better things and trial is ordained to bring him forth from himself but as he is of a different nature from the angels he must have a different probation the angels are pure activities and only require the right direction of their unceasing contemplation and action to be perfected whilst the human soul is encumbered with a body inclined to earth and earthly things made lower than the angels yet for the same divine end as they man has to acquire the spiritual virtues that bring him to god in an earthly body upon an earthly scene and has to keep that body obedient to his spirit it is evident therefore that he will require not only a different but a more protracted trial than the angels owing to the gross elements with which his spirit is combined the slower speed of his operations and the natural obstructions that retard his development he will require such a trial as will make his soul active animated and vigilant in spiritual things notwithstanding the corporal organs through which the spirit acts and their tendency to those sensual attractions that impede the free ascent of the spirit to things invisible and divine but this will be best accomplished by a life of labor on the earthly side and a conflict with spiritual powers on the invisible side adam was therefore placed in the garden of paradise not merely to enjoy its beauty but to dress and keep it and after receiving a prohibition for the exercise of his obedience satan was permitted to tempt him that through combat against a spiritual adversary his spiritual powers might be awakened 
and brought into vigorous exercise thus in the words of job is the life of man upon earth a warfare and his days as the days of a hireling because of labor job chapter seven verse one when the exigencies of warfare call for labor and peril the commander spares not his soldiers but when the victory is gained he gives the greatest honor to the bravest the master of the household gives the chief work to the best workman but when the toil is over he rewards them the best so also is the providence of god he spares not the good from toils and conflicts but rewards them beyond all measure in the end end of lecture one part two